Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast. My guest today served in Cape Town, South Africa. This is the second return missionary on the show that served in Africa, so that's very exciting. But this man gave me a new perspective on the mission rules and and God's commandments as a whole. It was a real eye-opener, and I really appreciated his insight. But please give it up for Spencer Ingram. You are listening to The Life of a Missionary, a podcast that dives into the experiences of former missionaries of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Enrique Nunez, and I will be your host to the journey of these mission stories from all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so you served in Africa. Yep. Uh, in Cape Town. That's correct. Tell me about that. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot to say, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously there's the, the food, the culture, the, the people, you know, the, the strength of the church there, the political climate, you know, the, the actual climate. I mean, there's, there's a lot to say. Um, there's three missions in South Africa. Well, first of all, I'm sure, you know, you know, and all of your listeners know South Africa is an actual country. It's right. incredible how many people don't know that they just think i'm it's the shocked area. i'm shocked they're like <laughs> i'm like yeah i went to south africa for two years and they're like oh yeah i have someone in south africa a friend of mine they're in uh zimbabwe i'm like no that's a country like i <laughs> i don't mean southern africa i was in south africa like right. the country so it's incredible how many people don't realize that that is the actual country so uh, but, but that's a side note three missions there's the johannesburg mission the durban mission and the cape town mission and at least in the Cape Town mission, all of the mission areas are, I guess we'll just talk, you know, geography for a second, but all of the mission areas are along the coast. For the most part, there's, there's only a few areas that are inland. And if they're inland, they're only, you know, a couple hours inland. Most of the areas are on the coast in the Eastern Cape province and the Western Cape province. And I'd say maybe... 70% of the mission, we all have cars, you know, we, we drive around, we have relatively large areas. It's not right. feasible to use bikes in those areas. And believe it or not, we fly between the Eastern and Western Cape. So oh. there's a lot of, a lot of travel involved in that mission. Yeah. So that's just the logistics, the, you know, side of things. Yeah. That's <laughs> something that a lot of people don't experience outside of the United States. Yeah. Uh, having cars and planes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think everybody that I've talked to has been walking. Yeah, no, yeah. That's outside of the U.S. We always joked that, like, you know, because, of course, they have their... Everyone makes their own contributions to pay for their own mission. But, of course, the cost of living in Tokyo is astronomical relative to the cost of living in Brazil. Right. So we always, uh, you know, would joke that all the missionaries walking around on foot in Brazil were subsidizing, subsidizing our, our mission in Cape yep. Town. <laughs> so what we would joke about anyway, but it's true though. Yeah. To a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the food, you mentioned the culture, uh, how was, was there any shock to, to you? Everything was a shock. Everything was similar, but different. I felt like I was on a, uh, you know, a, a Star Trek episode <laughs> in the sense, in the sense that there were so many similarities and, but everything was just different enough to where, you know, Cape Town is very, I'd say it's, it's, it's very first world. South Africa in general is, it feels like the America of the African continent. Okay. It seems like a big melting pot where it, everyone seems to have aspirations in Africa to make it to South Africa. Hmm. And then it seems like people in South Africa would love to make it to the United States. I, I don't want to generalize, but at least among the people with whom I mingled there, that holds true. That's interesting. Um, that's an interesting way of putting it uh, because I feel like, and, and I put myself in this category, but a lot of people think that Africa as a whole isn't very, uh, thriving <laughs> that a lot of people down there struggle. Um, and I guess it's just because we, of the news that we listen to and we listen, we, we hear a lot of negative things that come out of Africa and we don't really see or hear about how much they're thriving. 
Yeah. I think that that has a lot to do with our standard of living here in the United States. Right. And what's funny is to me, I almost view that having, having lived in, in Cape town, I almost view, uh, that perspective is a little bit condescending that people yeah. hold at large is and I've, I've observed it a lot where people are like, Oh, we need to go into countries and raise them to our standard of living or, you know, they're just so impoverished. And I consider it quite the opposite really when you see this little kid that's sitting on the street and barefoot with a big smile on their face, you know, mm-hmm. it's like getting priorities straight and realizing that life doesn't have to be complicated and really Material things and possessions are just ancillary to the most important aspects of life. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the the American dream has become kind of not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Because people come to the United States and all we do is work and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Work for 40 plus years and then retire and then do what you want to do. True. So it's kind of, if you're lucky, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're you, lucky, if you do have enough money to retire. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, I think, I think it's kind of misleading because a lot of people outside of the United States are very happy and don't have the same things that, that we do the same privileges, I guess. Yeah. Happiness is universal. You know, it's like what, it's like what, uh, you know, Dieter F. Uchtdorf said in, in 2012, he gave this great, talk called of regrets and resolutions and he talked about how happiness is a choice external circumstances do not determine our happiness we do right yeah so you know happiness is universal dance is universal music's universal and i i I would note that uh south africans uh tend to excel in the latter two i mean the music of that country is amazing and seems like everyone can dance really well, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's great. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a different world. Um, so how was your experience going over there? Because you spoke English. You were telling me you were you went speak English speaking. I was, yeah. Um, were you freaking out going over there? No, no. I was, I was really excited. Um, you know, this doesn't happen to a lot of people. But I actually wanted to go to South Africa even before I got my mission call. Sweet. So very unique. Doesn't happen to a lot of people. How, how come you wanted that? I don't know. I don't know. I just, one day I was sitting there and I was just like, you know, getting ready to turn in my papers and just, where do I want to go? And uh, for some reason, I wanted to go to South Africa, but I felt like I was going to go to Virginia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can't explain it. Can't explain it, but. That's right. I mean, it, we all, we know it, it doesn't matter where you serve, right? Right. It's all just secondary. Yeah. It was always uh, kind of a pain in the butt when people said, so where do you think you're going? Like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. But uh, another question that actually was really, really good was where would you like to go if you could choose, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, there's thousands of places, but yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting that that you did go where where you wanted to that's pretty cool yeah it it was cool good experience and you said there's like 11 official languages over there yeah last i checked when i was down there there's 11 official languages and english is the language that they use for uh business and and other such things it's it's widely spoken okay so i it's the official church language of the africa southeast area which is comprised of, uh, I think, Zimbabwe, Mozambique. I mean, I can't remember which countries are, are considered the Africa Southeast area, but English is the official language okay. of the church in those areas. And how, how is the church down there? Like, is it is it growing? Oh, obviously it's growing, but is it is it, would you consider it strong? Would you consider it well, I would. an influential? Uh, I, I, would, I don't know if I would consider it. It's influential among its patrons, but I don't know generally in the countries. I mean, obviously the church is influential anywhere it is because any entity that inspires its members to live better lives, be more active in the community and have a better influence. It's going to, it's going to affect anywhere it is. Uh, It's located, you know, but as to it, it's definitely not, not like it is here where you have so many churches on every corner. Um, Right. 
to where, you know, if the church just disappeared down there, I don't know if the general populace would really notice, notice a difference, you know? So it's definitely not as widespread of an influence as it is here in the Midwest of the United States. You also saw, you know, a lot of other denominations, a lot of interesting faiths and religions, um, just, just culturally. I mean, uh, one of the, you know, the demographics there, one of the native cultures is the Osa culture. And there's an X, you know, that they have three clicks in the Osa language. And I was never very good at all of them, but an X is like, you're calling a horse, right? Like that. Right. right? And a C is off the front of your teeth. Like, and then there's one that's really hard off the top of your mouth. I was never very good at it, but it's a Q it's okay. Right? But I can't do it fast. People do down there quick. are talking and they're just like, Click, 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 and it's like, oh, man, I, I have to build up to it, you know? But um, anyway, like, in that culture, the traditional religion, uh, Christianity has become widespread, but they still have uh, traditional religions and cultures that are rooted in ancestral worship and sacrifices. Oh. And, uh, you know, like, you may have heard of... Uh, like kind of a coming of age for the young men is what they call going to the bush. And it's basically circumcision, uh, a big ceremony or rite where they'll go out and live in the wilderness, you know, traditionally, sometimes it happens in the more rural areas at the age of eight, but in more urbanized areas, it typically happens from, you know, uh, you know, the age of 17, 18, whatever. So, but yeah, so you have those sorts of cultures. Oh, and also, uh, there's the concept of what's called labola, which is bride price, which is basically a dowry mm-hmm. in that culture where the groom has to pay a price to the bride's parents or, you know, I think father traditionally in order to be able to marry their daughter. And so that was a really interesting part of that culture. And sometimes, in fact, the church leaders even came out and had to issue a statement saying that that the concept of lobola or bride price goes against the culture of the church. And so members of the church ought not to participate in that aspect of their traditional culture and that sort of thing. So, but my, my point where I'm going with this is trying to establish culturally where the church fits in, because as I would be communicating with people and trying to teach them more about the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, in some areas you would actually have two hurdles to overcome. If it's a family that's heavily rooted in their traditional ancestral worship, they'll look at you and say, Oh, you're Christians. Christians came in with their Bible and oppressed our people a couple hundred years ago. We don't like Christians. Mm. So you almost had to walk into the home and say, uh, yeah, we're Christian as we believe in Jesus Christ, but we're not the Christians from the early, you know, <laughs> the late 1500s and early 1600s that came in and, and oppressed your culture and traditions. Right. That's not, so what's funny is even though as members of the church, we are Christians, you almost had to walk into the household and say, we're, we're Christians, but we're not those Christians. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a benefit to the, to the gospel as you're preaching down there that we are a, we believe we are the restored church of Jesus Christ from ancient times, but it's been restored within the past 200 years. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to establish very quickly. So it, it, it's like your approach to discussing the gospel, the restored gospel has to be different in every situation. So anyway, that's kind of going down a rabbit hole there. That's so okay. why, why don't you, you know, take this conversation wherever <laughs> you want it to go, because I well, get down rabbit holes really fast. That's okay. That's perfect. That's that's what this is about. <laughs> All right. Well, it's interesting because even people here don't understand. I mean, here in the United States, they don't understand. Some people don't understand the concept that we are Christian. I, I've seen a lot on, on social media and stuff that they ask, are Mormons Christian? It's like, well, yes. <laughs> you know, so so it's interesting to see that. I mean, you have to explain it for a different purpose, but you still have to explain it. Yeah. So if you define Christians as people, as a body of people who believe in and follow Jesus Christ, we are that. Yeah. 
you know, we are that. And again, we, we believe, I believe that this is the restored original organization of Jesus Christ. So it's, we're not just, we're not just Christ followers and worshipers. Like we are part of his organization and, 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 you know, and that's the way I look at it. Yeah. So what's something that you guys, well, I guess, um, you're focusing on that Christianity part, but what's something that you guys as a mission focused on down there? Because there's a lot of different areas that need different focuses. Mm -hmm. Um, like there's areas, uh, I don't remember who I was talking to, but they said that ancestor. Oh, in, uh, in Thailand, they focus tons on, uh, family history work because they're, they're, they're not even very Christian. Um, Christ, they don't believe in Christ. They don't, they don't know who that is. And so they, they have to start with, well, you can do work for the dead, for your family, et cetera, et cetera, because they're big on family. Um, and here we focus a lot on the restoration because people are Christian and they know, they understand all that stuff. So is there something that you guys focused on down there like that? Yeah, I would, uh, every mission president is different Yes, and every missionary is different, but at least for myself, when I was there, everyone has a widespread belief in and acceptance of God and prophets for that matter. That was kind of a challenge because we would come and we would say, you know, you believe in God. Do you believe God calls prophets? And the response basically is, yes, I do. In fact, my pastor is a prophet. And we had to kind of explain prophets and their authority in a biblical sense. Mm-hmm. Think of Moses and Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha. Think of their authority they had from God. I mean, I've never encountered such a believing and faith-filled people. I mean, genuine, accepting, because it's it's hard to say, well, where are the miracles and visions and angels and revelations? Because, I mean, I swear it's a, it's a common occurrence down there, really. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's like you really have to focus on the family history side, true, true. Um, but also focus on the plan of salvation is really important. Focusing on uh, our beliefs and knowledge of where we were before this life, what our purpose here is on life. And what life looks like after this life was very important. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just kind of the, the approach I would say, I don't know if there was a general approach, but I would say there was a wide, widespread perception and belief of the existence and reality of God. So that was not a hurdle to overcome as it may be in other more agnostic countries. Right. Yeah. So less, I'd say from my perspective, less of a focus on a specific doctrine and more of, uh, at least there wasn't as much need to establish a belief in God. Okay. That's pretty good. I mean, that's very similar to here. Yeah. Um, but there are some, some very crazy people down here too. (laughs) Yeah. True. Um, cool. Well, did you get, did you, or I guess, do you have anything off the top of your head that you remember that was a weird, crazy experience? Oh, so many, <laughs> so many. First of all, like, uh, let me, let me touch on the country itself. From, okay. Uh, like a culture. I'm going to be a travel guide here for Perfect. a second. Okay. I loved it. I mean, if I could go back to Cape town, what I would do, if I were to go back to South Africa today, one, okay. So first of all, probably my favorite city on my mission that I was in was a city that until 2018 was called Grahamstown. The reason why I say that is, uh, South Africa is kind of going through this shifting cultural political landscape still coming off of apartheid, mm-hmm. you know, the segregation. Yeah. So their minister of arts and culture is r- gradually renaming things that they consider to be remnants of apartheid. We're talking roads, landmarks, cities even. So Grahamstown was founded in 1820 by uh by dutch settlers lots of really cool architecture lots of really cool old dutch churches and buildings but then uh 2018 was renamed 
Oh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank right now. It's it's Makanda, I think. I should look it up. Like, like Wakanda? It's like Wakanda, but with an M. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because it's either Makanda or Rakanda, and I'm pretty sure it's Makanda, but thank you for fact-checking me on that. But um, that was my favorite city on my mission. It's two hours inland from the coast. Two hours kind of northeast northwest from a city called east london and if i could travel back to south africa today what i would do is i would fly into cape town i would drive east along what's called the garden route and uh, drive through port elizabeth go up to Grahamstown, drop down to east london fly home i mean I drove along the garden route as a missionary because I was a uh, you know, zone leader and I had to go check on some missionaries in other districts for trainings and whatnot. Okay. And it was uh it was just a beautiful route, gorgeous. You know, I would recommend that to any uh anyone. Anyone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, so right. sorry, where were we? No, that's good. The garden route, um, along the you know obviously the southern southwestern edge of the of the country so namibia actually started out as part of my mission but they couldn't get any visas to go from south africa to namibia so there was <laughs> there was a senior couple stationed up there but all the missionaries that were able to go to namibia there were like four or five or six they all claimed it was the promised land i mean namibia just sounds like the coolest place and i would love to go visit namibia as well but um, anyway, Cape Town, there's you know so much to see in Cape Town. Great mountains to hike. Hike Table Mountain. I did that. I hiked Table Mountain, Lion's Head. There's another one called Devil's Peak. I didn't make it up there, but... Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's amazing, though. I mean, there's so much to do in Cape Town. Um, I ate some really fun stuff. You know, I, I'm... My, my perspective... I'm very open-minded when it comes to cuisine. That's good. I say, if someone in that culture eats it, it can't be all that bad. Right. Someone likes it, and there's a reason. Yeah, so, that's a good point of view. I was one of the only missionaries that ate, one of the only American missionaries that ate and enjoyed a dish down there that in English is called African salad. It's a Osa dish, and... uh the the name of it is uh in osa is mboko oh that sucked i did a horrible job saying that if i had a companion from northern ireland he could just rattle it off his tongue like no one's business you know mm-hmm. he could say that word so fast but everyone made fun of me right because my my g clicks are so bad you know <laughs> but that's the name of the dish and what it is is this this like curdled milk culture that's like bad yogurt Okay, like if you leave yogurt in your fridge for too long, it'll probably taste like this. And they put it over this, this starchy, this starchy dish called pop, you know, P-A-P. And it's Mm. this corn based, imagine finely ground corn starch or cornmeal that's boiled just like rice or just like any other starchy thing, kind of like, you know, cassava root. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so they put this kind of curdled milk over that stuff. And they just eat it just like that. And uh, I was the only missionary, American-based missionary that actually liked the stuff that I know about. You know, there may be more before me, more after me, but right. I would actually eat the stuff. And I mean, it's not like I would go out of my way to go buy it. I did once hmm. on my mission. I went and I bought, you know, some of that uh, culture, the curdled milk culture from the store. And it was, you know, it was great, but. I also ate goat's head. They call it smiley, you know, because it <laughs> smiles at you. I ate uh, chicken head and chicken feet. They call okay. that walkie-talkie, right? <laughs> That's so, funny. It is funny. Uh, so most of the kind of out there things that I ate were part of the native Osa culture. And then, of course, there's strong European influences all throughout South Africa. There's strong Dutch influences all throughout South Africa in Gramstown, which has been renamed Makanda, you know, um, they have Rhodes University there. And I had a good friend in uh, Makanda's. 
He's 80 years old. Well, more than that now, but uh, there's a very large arts festival in Wakanda that happens annually July. And uh, it, it, it encompasses the whole town. I believe it's one of the largest arts festival to take place in South Africa. So I got permission from the mission president and this 80 year old man would take my companion and I around to various events throughout the festival and uh, various events on Rhodes University campus for that matter. I mean, we went to recitations of Shakespeare. We went to <laughs> a, a piano performance where Liszt was performed, you know, Franz Liszt. And uh, it was just so much fun. We even got to see the Johannesburg Youth Ballet perform when they were in, uh, you know, Grahamstown. Uh, so just a lot of really cool arts yeah, experiences there. And it was, it's just, yeah, I mean, it was my favorite place, hands down, for me personally. I don't know if everyone would like it as much that went to visit, but for me, that's where I would go back to visit if I went back to South Africa. Sweet, man. Yeah, which I'd like to if the plane tickets weren't like 1400 to two grand <laughs> a piece, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> Last week, uh, somebody um, went to, oh, shoot, I already forgot, the Marshall Islands. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they he was saying that, the tickets are like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, no like, doubt. Sheesh, man. See, I no can, doubt. I, I've 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 gone back to my mission a few times, but it's just it's an easy drive. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool though. <laughs> it's nice to be an easy drive away. But from yeah, man. Mission. Like like that's it's. I, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's a bittersweet because it's like you're you're probably never. Oh, I'm not I'm not gonna say you probably never go back, but it's very unlikely to go back when you go out to countries like that. Yeah. For missionaries. True. Well, it's, it also doesn't help that, you know, now I'm married and have two kids. And right. So it's like there, there goes the cost of my plane tickets. You know, I probably could have done it if it was just me, but yeah. I, if I go back, I want to take my family. There was a missionary from Madagascar and I don't know if you, have you ever met anyone from Madagascar? Nope. No. So their names are, they like take all their family names and mash them together. So this, this missionary's name, this elder's name, um, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this. In fact, I should do a shout out to him and tag him in this podcast. He'd love it. But <laughs> his first name is Rahari. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, we call him Rahari sometimes. But his first name is Justino. Middle name is Herman. And then his last name is Rahari Zu Andrini Rina. Mm. It's 19 characters long. Imagine trying to fit that onto a name tag, right? Elder Rahari Zu Andrini Rina. You almost needed <laughs> like a magnifying glass to read it, but... He's from Madagascar. Really cool, really cool, uh, you know, individual. I, I had a great time with him. But he told me that the people in Madagascar really like going to the Seychelles, Seychelles Islands. So if I was ever in that area, I'd go check out the Seychelles Islands because those are gorgeous. You know, look them up on Google, uh, you know, if you're ever interested. But anyway, so again, <laughs> so that's the end of Travel Guide Spencer there. Okay. okay. So I'm taking off my travel guide hat and we can <laughs> get back to talking about whatever else. Experiences, crazy, weird people. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always these outlier, uh, people in every mission, uh, all around the world. We'd, we'd have the random person that, you know, we'd be walking around like a mall or something. They'd walk up to us and just start just uttering obscenities and telling us we were going to hell and, you know, and just, just talking, talking, talking so fast. And they don't even give you time to defend yourself or explain who you are or what you do. And it's like, what, are you getting a merit badge for this? I mean, like, what, <laughs> where'd you come from even? Like, why are you here? Just, you know, see, there's always those kind of people. Yeah. But. And that's something that people don't see. Uh, a lot that how, how old were you when you went on your mission i was 19 yeah yeah so yeah, like, I, I, was, I arrived i arrived in the mission field in august that october they lowered the age to 18 oh, okay <laughs> see i was waiting for my mission call when they lowered the, the age oh nice <laughs> so pretty yeah. close but yeah like you have these 18 19 20 year olds and these random people just come up to them and yell at them for no reason Right. Literally no reason at all. And it's like, well, there's gotta be some faith based reason or something, but it's like, what incentivized you to do that? What's, 
you know, like seriously, do you give yourself a pat on the back? Like, is it your, you know, yeah. badge of honor or something? I don't know. Hey, I chewed out some, some missionaries some today and made me feel really good. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it yeah, is, man. That's true. Yeah. Somebody came up to me at Walmart and they said, did you know that, uh, your church, uh, discriminated against your kind? <laughs> I'm like, what dude? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Like I don't, I don't recall that man. But okay, yeah, you you don't want to get me talking about politics though, and I'm not going to talk about politics. I okay. promise. I okay. promise. I promise. But <laughs> I will say the the one thing that I've never understood is trying to fix something that happened a hundred years ago. It's like right. none of us were alive. You can't control where you were born. You can't control what family you were born into. To to think that I can fix something that happened. And, the reason that actually applies very heavily to South Africa with, uh, you know, all the, you know, everything that's happening there politically, it's just, um, yeah. Anyway, where was I going with that? You were talking about the, uh, the screaming people. Yeah. The screaming people. You weren't going to talk about politics. I, well, I wasn't, yeah, I'm not going to talk about politics. (laughs) Don't even get me started. I, not to say I'm opinionated. I'm just very, I'm dangerous because, I'm opinionated, but lazy. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to research all perspectives before I form an opinion. Okay. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why it's like, I might sound politically charged on one thing, but it only takes some facts and some education. And then I might see it from a different perspective. Okay. So that's why it's a bad idea for me to talk about politics. Be influenced pretty easily. Uh, yeah, well, it depends. <laughs> Do you want a chocolate? Oh, no, I'm okay. Thank you, though. You Very sure? generous of you. Oh, those do look delightful, but no. I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, tempt me not. I've had so much sugar over Trying the past couple weeks. Trying to influence you. Oh, yeah. I totally remember what I was going to say. And I don't know how why it tied in, but I'm, I'm back where I was going to say now. But uh, w- weird things that I experienced in that culture that I think are hilarious is like, so you know how here we have firefighter departments that will stand in the middle of the street and collect money in their boot, right? You can donate to the fire department. Yeah. Well, down there, I, I couldn't really figure it out, but there were always these guys standing in the street dressed in the weirdest, I mean, where it's, it's, it's hilarious. You know, they're just dressed in the, the, the most bizarre clothes. And I would always ask people, and they're like passing out flyers or pamphlets or just trying to get people's attention or holding a sign that says something completely ridiculous. And I found out later that typically that means they're having a bachelor party and they, <laughs> it's like, it's almost like a, someone lost a dare, you know, huh. but it's something in the culture where it's like you have this, if someone's from South Africa is listening to this, they should really contact me and explain it to me. But I thought it was the funniest thing. Cause it was not uncommon to see a bunch of, you know, 18 to 24 year old young men just standing in the middle of the road while the cars drive by just making complete ridiculous, you know, images of themselves. And it was just hilarious to find out that they had either lost a dare or it was a bachelor party or something. Right. So that was pretty funny. Something about the culture that, you know, I wouldn't mind if we did it here if the, the but it would never fly legally. No one would let anyone just stand in the middle of the road for no right. reason. <laughs> That yeah, was hilarious. Kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone always laughed when we saw that. Well, there's some people that like are on the side of the road that have some weird signs and like honk if you're whatever. Yeah, on the sidewalk. So yeah, eh, close. I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we I I drive a truck for work and we have those big the the big horns. Yeah, the air horns. And people are always like you know, pulling down because they want us to, to honk it, but it's loud. Yeah. Yeah. So when we do, they, they, they tend to jump all the time. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But that's funny. Um, Oh, what else, man? What else? Is there anything that you didn't eat? No. Over there. You just ate oh, everything. Okay. Well, sometimes I genuinely had a health concern cause I'm like, I don't know if I'm boring or what, but sometimes there'd be like, someone would be barbecuing an unidentifiable piece of meat on the side of the road <laughs> with like a hundred flies buzzing around. Ugh. And I draw the line there, you know, <laughs> like uh, I wasn't going to venture. You're going to be like, you eat it first. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, right. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, um, so 
even though apartheid ended in I think 94, 1994 apartheid ended, I believe it's still very segregated as people are yeah. are trying to come off of of that horrible unethical policy and period of time. But uh geographically it's still very segregated, so you have like as you fly into Cape Town, there's the airport and right next to the airport, I swear they do it for tourist reasons. I don't know, but there's um they have these more impoverished areas called townships where you'll have uh, you'll have mud shacks or cement shacks or wood shacks depending on the natural resources of the surrounding area and Cape Town is mostly like concrete and tin shacks right wow. but they're they're more of the impoverished areas and like literally a hundred feet away from them you can have mansions I mean the 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 disparity in the ex- is is very extreme and it's just these geographical areas so we would go i mean it was it's just oh man i just don't even know which aspect i want to talk about there were so many amazing things about that country and the people and you know we can talk doctrine with the gospel we can talk conversion stories or teaching experiences but like the the townships were really cool, like because they weren't the safest areas, but everyone loved the missionaries for the most part. I mean, I was approached by gang members and everything, and ordin if I was a normal tourist, I would not have been safe. But because I was a missionary and I had the name of Jesus Christ actually on my name tag, that earned a little bit of you know safety and protection. People just kind of you know ministers were were kind of neutral i guess but the things that happened in those townships they'd have you know riots and protests and um they had a lot of shipping containers that were converted to barber salons and and things like that and someone would have like you know their surgery clinics are a bit peculiar because you'll just be walking around there's like a shipping container that has surgery written on it in big, big red letters like i probably wouldn't go in there to have my appendix removed, you know, but still, right? So <laughs> like you would you would be in the township on a Saturday and then you go back in on a Monday and there would be like a shipping container that was burnt and inverted and lifted up on other containers and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, there was a riot." Like the neighborhood Jeez. didn't like that person or their shop and so you know, like their shop is gone now. It's this burnt container and um they had this thing. I thankfully I never saw this, but I was told by the local people that necklacing is a thing where during these riots, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm not laughing because of this. I'm laughing because I shouldn't say this on your podcast. But during riots, people would get tires. They would be get tires stacked around them, and then the tires would get set on fire. They call it necklacing. You know. So I'm just brutal. I mean, the stories you hear. And this is this is like the riot people doing it to somebody or yeah. just random people. Yeah, like the, who knows what would cause it, you know, how much chaos and disorder is is in a riot. Right. So just kind of the crazier stories, but I don't have firsthand experience. Uh, I was never robbed. You know, I was safe. I never felt threatened. We had a few missionaries get robbed. Some of them robbed at gunpoint, but it's because they were you know, just in areas they weren't supposed to be in. They knew they weren't supposed to be there. So I don't blame the society. I blame the missionaries <laughs> for not using their street smarts. You right. Know? We. Uh, what's interesting is the gangs down there in the townships were largely named after countries. So you had the Americans and the Hollanders. And um, so, like, someone had sprayed. This happened to one of my associates down there. He came across this uh, painting on a wall of someone painted Uncle Sam with his finger pointing just like the traditional, you yeah. know, stereotypical image of Uncle Sam pointing at the, you know, the viewer. And it said, I want you dead, you know? And so he's like taking a picture of it because he thought it was like, you know, just an interesting experience. And someone from the American gang evidently walked up to him and was like, hey, you know, what are you doing here? Kind of confrontational. And. He told him, he's like, oh, I'm from America. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. And like walked <laughs> over and like, you know, like give him a fist bump or a high five or whatever they do, you know, whatever their communication between each other was. <laughs> but, you know, it's not one of the areas I served in was called Guguletu. And, um, oh, first of all, if you got a chance, you got to look up trains. 
look up trains in Google too. I've never seen anything like it. They were so packed during, you know, oh, at goodness. the end of the work day, end of the work day, the city trains in Google too. There were people hanging out the windows. There were people standing on the front of the train on the outside of the train. I mean, I've never seen trains that packed. Talk about public transit. It was, uh, but yeah, no, I'd have people tell me stories of, you know, uh, <laughs> I had one guy tell me that he couldn't walk with me in certain neighborhoods because he was afraid for his life, you know, like you get, you know, bullets fired across borders between rival gangs and just, just, just weird, you know, but I always, I always felt safe as a missionary. I never felt threatened, you know, I'd be walking around in some townships late at night because we had a teaching appointment that would go along and it was dark and i people are like what are you doing out here you should, probably shouldn't be out here and i i didn't feel i didn't feel in danger at all and um on the weekends it was just a big party scene i mean great music playing great beats everyone's barbecuing on the streets uh just really fun you know as i'm talking about it right now i'm having memories of the smells and <laughs> Tell you what, one thing that was crazy, okay? I was walking around a township late at night. It was in a, in a place called Danoon in uh, Cape Town. And we're walking around. It's nighttime. It's dark. And I see these kids who are rollerblade ninjas. I mean, it's like these kids must have been born on rollerblades. Because, like, so sketchy. But they were, like doing this crazy like superhero thing where they'd like go down on one knee while they're on rollerblades and put their arm in front of their face and they were weaving in and out of moving cars. And I'm like, dang, these kids have, they've got moves, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, that, and they were threading the needle between cars and Sheesh. that was crazy to see. Anyway. Yeah. That doesn't fly here. It doesn't you fly. You can't do that here. No. But again, this is all in the township. You walk, a distance away and totally different neighborhood, totally different vibe. You know, they have, uh, they have like these Indian neighborhoods with, uh, like their Hindu or Buddhist temples and just everything's still just kind of a little bit segregated. Yeah. And, and where did you guys stay? Oh, we stayed in, we stayed in just our own apartments for the most part. We never, I know in some areas in the United States, mem- missionaries will stay with members in their homes. Right. That wasn't us. We always had our own apartments. Were they nice? Well, it depends on the missionaries who <laughs> previously oh, right. stayed there. <laughs> yeah, see, no, that's they something were, they were nice. That's something that just it's it's very it can be very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my zone leaders in my last area told us that because they, they lived in a little trailer home. Yeah. There's, uh, there's two companionships there. But the zone leader said when they got there, it was a th- three-bedroom. I think it was a three-bedroom. Yeah, three bedrooms. And one of the bedrooms uh, was just full of water bottles. Just th- the whole... You couldn't see the floor. That's good for and the environment, like, Come right? on, dude. It's good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are these empty, used water yes. bottles? Oh, okay. Sketchy. Yeah, yeah. so they, the missionaries before them said, hey, let's see how many we can throw in here. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> no yeah that's pretty bad yeah so things like man yeah some 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 missionaries don't use their heads no and and what kills me is uh you know missionaries we're just human we're young adult males and what i what i don't like is i feel like yes you need to be ministers and you need to remember the sacredness of your calling but just don't stop being human you know you got to, oh, anyway, it's just, sometimes I just feel like missionaries can get into this habit of trying to become, we should always be striving in our lives to be a better person today than we were yesterday and a better person tomorrow than we are today. But sometimes I feel like people become almost unnatural as missionaries in their pursuit of maintaining a certain image. Yeah. And we should always maintain, you know, the image of Christ. I'm not suggesting doing anything that would be wrong, but you know, bring your personality with you. Don't yeah. don't leave your personality at home. Your personality is a gift. You know, I happen to uh, one of my random talents in life is I've been Irish dancing for 20 years, what? like river dance, right? 
Yeah, to so show us. I took my <laughs> yeah yeah tapity tap yeah. I took my hard shoes with me down to South Africa. Okay. And you know I didn't you know I didn't use them as much as I would have, but I'd use them in talent shows, and everyone thought it was so cool, you know. But you have talents, you have personality. Yeah. Take your life with you. You're who you are for a reason, you know, and, and never forget that. It's just what I would. What I would say to, you know, missionaries past and present, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I, I actually ask uh ask my guests to say something important to someone or to the audience or something. So that can be that can be it. <laughs> oh good. Good. I like that. Uh there's a lot of exciting things going on in the church right now in the missionary program. Being able to call home every yeah. Monday. That's crazy. And having some of the more strict rules loosen up you know i i was one of those that people would probably accuse of being a robot you know okay in the mission field because i was always trying to follow the rules but it was only because i viewed the rules as a challenge Hmm. not a restriction i'm like look so if i have this rule i considered it a spiritual challenge to try to keep it you know first nephi 3 7 is the youth theme for this year yeah, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. Simply put, the Lord prepares a way for us to keep his commandments. So if there was a rule that said, this is the way you need to conduct yourself on the mission, I just viewed it as a spiritual challenge. You know, was, hey, let's see if we can do this. I know there's going to be a way to do it because... That's my faith. You know? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a rule. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be a rule. You know, they wouldn't. You know, but, um, but I'm totally in favor of what the church is doing right now, coming out with handbooks that are more generalized and and more vague and less yeah. specific and strict. I'm totally in favor of that. I would have loved to have had that as a missionary. Yeah, I think I think what you just said is very important. I think it's it's a good way of seeing things of of a challenge. Yeah, I think a lot of missionaries see it as restrictions. Yeah. And, well, I can't do that, so rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> right, right. But that's that's an interesting way of, of putting it. That's that's good. I've never thought of it that way. I was also strict when it benefited me because, like, I had this companion who, uh, uh, you know, won't mention his name, but he knows who he is, and he's, he's a great friend. Great should, friend. You should tag guy. him. Yeah, I should tag him, too. <laughs> no, I won't because... He was convinced he needed to exercise more. So he would wake up at six, you know, and missionaries are supposed to wake up at the same time and go to bed at the same time. And right. I, I told him, I'm like, look, elder, 630 is already early for me. <laughs> I'm not waking up at six. <laughs> so I told him, I'm like, look, the rule book says wake up at 630. So if we both wake up at six, we're both breaking the rules. <laughs> so as long as we're both breaking the rules already, I'm sleeping until 630. So, you know, he would wake up at six and he'd be on his exercise bike in the apartment. And I'd just like sleep till six 30. Cause I'm like, I'm not waking up that early, you know? So I was also obedient when it benefited me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a part in the handbook that it says you can wake up half an hour early for exercise. Uh, I think but no, I'm not that's, that's I apostasy. Think so. <laughs> that's apostasy, Enrique. I don't think it says that anywhere now. No, it might. It can't be. It, can't it might. Be. No. <laughs> For personal <laughs> exercise or something. Yeah, well, no. Do you still have that? Handbook? The little white handbook? I'm sure I do. I, I think I, they, didn't they change it? They did change it just recently within a few months ago. But yeah, uh, I still have mine. I kind of threw all of my stuff. I even have all my old planners. I threw them all in a box um, along with a couple souvenirs. Uh-huh. got some uh robes from sierra leone oh dang and i've got some uh indian coconut pants is what they call them think of like aladdin oh right? those kind of baggy like the parkour pants yeah kind of like parkour <laughs> free running pants kind of a little bit but less baggy than that but yeah yeah that's cool I also have a few paintings i bought at green market i've decided if i was going to get a souvenir a painting is the best way to go because it doesn't take up space on your shelf, doesn't sit there and collect dust, and it's visually appealing. Yeah. You don't have to clean around it, you know? It's not really clutter. It just kind of adds to the aesthetics of, of yeah. the space. Yeah, I got I got a couple souvenirs, and it's weird because, like, they're, I, I can see how they're, how people say that things are priceless. 
because these things are priced like I'm not gonna make any money off of these things. Yeah, and that like people see them as just like oh okay whatever, but to me it's like man this is this is special. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, just hundred percent sentiment. Yeah, it's usually because of people. Yeah. No, it's it's fun, and uh, I. I had a, a member tell me I was in my first area. I was being trained by uh, my trainer. He was from Uganda. Great, great guy. You know, good friends with him to this day. We we connect on Facebook. Really look up to that guy. And But there was a, a member that actually told me, because he and I went over to this member's house for dinner one night, and the member told me, he's like, the member of the church, he's, you know, all the missionaries love this guy. He's He's a real support to the missionaries, and, he just told me, he's like, just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, just enjoy your mission. You're there for a great cause, great purpose. You're there to help people find their path, connect more fully with God, and live happier lives. And just enjoy it while you're there. That's what I tried to do, and I think that's probably the best advice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people get caught up in in just work, 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 work. Oh. Well, I don't I don't mean to advocate for not working like in right. my case, I was super homesick for the first oh, for the first like four weeks, five weeks, I was super homesick. You know. Looking back on it, I think it may have just been a combination of culture shock and anxiety and jet lag, maybe. Just kind of emotionally drained, just yeah. a change of everything. But um yeah, I mean, I had a really hard time there for the first few weeks, and it gradually dissipated, which is another reason why it causes me to believe that it was just primarily a reaction to the change in environment that I was experiencing. Right. Well, I think because there's a psychological effect there where you're thousands of miles away from home. There's no way you can get back. Yeah. It's like, sheesh, man, now I have to be here for two years? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had this routine where like we would pull into our apartment. I'd get out of the car. I'd go stand on the driveway and I'd just look up at the sky. You know, like I said, Cape Town's very first world. Uh, but like I said, at the beginning of the episode, it was like a Star Trek episode where everything was just a little different. You look up at the sky, the stars are different because right. we're on the Southern hemisphere. You see the Southern cross, <laughs> not even the same, sky. not even the same sky, man. <laughs> But I'd go up there and I'd actually look at the sky and then I would try to approximate where Idaho was <laughs> relative mm-hmm. to me. And I'd like look through the floor of the earth and be like, look, you know, home's just right on the other side of that. And it kind of made me feel connected a little bit and more grounded in, in who I was and what I was doing and what I was there for. Although then I would visualize the fact that relative to me, everyone I know is upside down. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone's standing up. Yeah. Pretty much. More, more like a, you know, an inverted. Well, <laughs> 60 degree angle. Yeah. yeah. Well, how far apart is the time zones? Uh, it's, it's, um, it's eight hours during, uh, one daylight savings time and nine hours on the other side. Okay. So eight to nine hours, depending on the time of year. Sheesh. Yeah. It's a lot. So yeah. when you're going to bed, people are, people are halfway through their day. Yeah. It was kind of, it was kind of interesting to think about all that. And, uh, tell you what though, I, like I said, everything was different down there. They even have pizza down there, but it's different pizza. <laughs> and I didn't like it at first. I'm like, give me, <laughs> give me some American pizza, but tell you what, by the end of my mission and now I miss that pizza. Yeah, they had like a sweet chili chicken pizza. That was like to die for. It had faded cheese. You got to make it, man. I don't know how they did it, though. I swear, like, there was a, com- a company called Roman's Pizza, and the logo is very similar to Little Caesars. And for the longest time, I thought it was, like, oh. part of the same potentially related company. But in reality, Roman's, I guess, is a local company that's, well, nationwide in South Africa. Right. But... Anyway, the, local. Yeah, well, I mean, they had. Yeah, well, I mean, it's nationwide. I mean, I should say it's a South African-based <laughs> yeah. company, right? Yeah. But man, their pizza is great. Better than Little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't be hating on the little squeezies. Huh? I call. It, I call. It, that's my name for it, right? But I love Little Caesars pizza. 
you know, the, the guy that founded that company, they're headquartered in Detroit and he actually really revamped Detroit during its hard time. So Dang. really cool guy. Uh, he passed away a couple years ago. I actually did a school report on him That's and little Caesars. Cause I was doing a little bit of a business uh, oh, analysis nice. for one of my classes. Really cool company. I, Cause I, you know, little Caesars gets a bad, a bad rep, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh, it's little Caesars. It's cardboard, right? It's good, man. I love I, it. I like and it too. Now they're coming out with their thin crust pepperoni and their extra most bestest. Oh yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's nice because I told you earlier that I drive the truck and stuff, and I always got another guy. Yeah, we're like, hey, let's get a pizza. Let's go to Little Caesars just on the street. So we'll go, and it's quick. You're in and out, and it's Done. like it's only five bucks, and you feed both of us. Let's go. Done. Oh man, there's nothing worse <laughs> than you go in there and all they have is the classic hot and ready. They don't have extra most best as hot and ready. That's you know first world problems right there. Yeah, I don't mind. Anyway, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, but the pizza in South Africa was really good actually. Um, they got hot dogs and hamburgers down there. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Uh, they have street food. Oh yeah. They've got lots of street food, but I'm thinking less hot dogs. I don't think I saw a lot of hot dogs while I was down there. This is this mainstream restaurant called spur. And I'd say it's closely related to red Robin here, okay. I guess. And they were kind of like the American in quotations restaurant, you know. So you go there and buy a burger every once in a while. It was it's pretty good. They're pretty pretty cheap down there, but it's oh, so the conversion rate definitely definitely works in our favor. Okay, uh, there's um, I think right now it's sitting at about fifteen rand to one U.S. dollar. Okay. When I went down there, it was 12 to 1. When I left, it was about 14 to 1. So it stayed pretty consistent. Okay. But, like, you can buy, like, because I've looked it up because I'm curious. I really liked Maconda, as I've told you. And I would, like, I would even consider, you know, moving there or maybe getting an Airbnb there or something because I think it would (laughs) be sweet. I was just looking for fun, right? My, you know, uh, my family would never let me move to South Africa because I would be sad being away from them. You know, my wife's family's here in town. My family's here in town. And so my wife wouldn't want to move far away anyway, but like for like a really nice four bedroom, three bathroom home, 2,100 square feet. When you do the conversion from meters to feet. And, uh, when you do the conversion, it's like 83 K 83 us you know, 83,000 us dollars to buy this home. And I'm like, Hey, that's not that bad. That's pretty good. It was a really desirable neighborhood. The heck can you get for that here? (laughs) You can't get anything for that here. (laughs) And I'd be able to buy like a, a bad investment timeshare somewhere. Square feet. Cuna. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. You know, we watched a movie, my wife and I, that, um, from from New Zealand, so the movie was in New Zealand supposedly, and uh, it's really nice and everybody's all friendly. So she's like, "You want to move to New Zealand?" I'm like, "Eh, maybe." So I looked it up, and apparently it's the, the most expensive place to live in the world. Well, New Zealand, <laughs> I believe it's New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, are, Singapore. They're in like the top five for sure of the World Economic Freedom Index. Yeah, that's why when you look at Hong Kong. You know, you're going to be paying like 2.1 million for like a 600 square foot apartment. apartment. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's what causes me to wonder, you know, are we really the world's superpower here in the United <laughs> States? I think I personally feel like our economy is getting surpassed yeah. by a lot of other. Co- it's like, we, you know, it's a lot different than it used to be. But yeah. All right, man. Well. It's it's about time. <laughs> uh, you know I'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up and I'm gonna think of forty stories that I would have liked to have shared. Well you know. write them down <laughs> when you remember them and then we'll have you back on. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Cause it does happen. I think it happened to Cord too. Yeah. No, well, I mean the problem is it gets all these brain juices flowing. Yeah. And like I said, I start because it's not the same when you're just sitting here thinking about it. It helps to talk through it with yeah. people and it brings all this to memory. Yeah, write it down, man. If it comes to mind, and I'm, I'll be happy to have you on again. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd I love that. I, I need to start repeating people. 
Yeah, yeah. Cause, well, because everybody's like, "Man, I had another story." It's like, "Yeah, well, time's up." <laughs> yeah, time's up. Because well, I, I feel because uh, we're we doing an hour. Okay. And I feel yeah. like uh, it's been an hour already. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So an hour is a good amount of time right now. Uh, I might extend it later if. No, no, no one wants to listen to an over hour podcast. Just ask Eric Weinstein with the portal. Have a look at that it. pod. It's a great podcast, but I'm telling you, each hour, each episode is like an hour and a half long, and I have to listen to well, it on like 1.5 speed because who's you, got time for that? <laughs> have you listened to Joe Rogan? I'm not. Uh, I've tried. I've dabbled in Joe Rogan, but I haven't like his given. episodes are like three hours, man. Oh, I remember that, and that, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I haven't listened to him as much. I remember that kind of turning me, you know, turning yeah. me away from it. I was like, I, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I I do because I move a lot and I drive a lot. Yeah, so I can listen to it. Um, but yeah, man, three, three, I think he averages at like two hours and 15 minutes or something. Yeah. Cause there's some hour long episodes that he has, but they're more rare than, than the three hours. Oh, sick. But he's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to start this. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah. I really only, uh, I came across Joe Rogan for the first time. I, I was late to the, the camp, but it's when Elon Musk smoked yep. pot on his show. Yep. And that's when I first. And then everyone's like, oh, Joe Rogan's huge. And I'm like, well, I better look into him because yeah. I'm a big Elon Musk fan. So. Yeah. It's, it's a good episode. It's funny. <laughs> I'll have to look at it. Well, it's, it's interesting because Elon Musk just, he, Joe asks some questions and then he just like pauses for like five, six seconds and then he answers. So he just sits there and thinks about his answer. I'm like, sheesh, man. <laughs> yeah. I need to be more like that. But it'd be great to to get closer to that, you know. I, For sure. I, I dabbled in on his website and it's like contact Joe Rogan. I'm like, Hmm, that'd be nice. Yeah, wouldn't be the, it be the first, uh, LDS guest. That'd be cool, man. <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be, that would be a goal, but thanks for coming on the show, man. You bet. I thanks for having, having me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks Enrique. And, um, yeah, well, thanks. And we'll, we'll catch you next time. All right. Till next time.